Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Praise the Lord. Come on. Um, if you would, stand to your feet with me. You want to help me sing this song? Yes, we're going to sing it again. Because <laughs> um, God is grateful, great, and uh, he's awesome. So we are trusting in him. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus says the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, Oh, for grace to trust him more. Last verse. I'm so glad I learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, for grace to trust you more. Oh, for grace. Oh, for grace. I need your grace to trust you more. Trust you more. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your promise to trust in you. We thank you for learning this week to trust you more and more and more, Lord God. We just honor you. We thank you for your spirit being in this place, your presence being in our lives. You're yet with us on the mountaintop, and you're with us in the valley. You're with us in the fire. You're with us when we're outside of the fire. You are with us forever. We thank you, Lord God, 
to be able to trust in you, trust in your word, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that we could stand firm on your word. Because if you said it, Lord Jesus, it will come to pass. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for breaking the yokes. We thank you for breaking strongholds. We thank you for crushing the grave. We thank you for allowing us to overcome, Lord Jesus. In spite of what we see, Lord God, in spite of what we don't see, we still trust in you. So we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take your seats. Oh, God is good. We could just end it right now. We're just going about our business. <laughs> uh, God is awesome. Thank you for his presence. I want to welcome you to Cornerstone Community Church. Um, I'm Virgil. And sometimes I, have to, I feel like I, I need a preface sometimes when I'm preaching because I, I do work on Sundays, and many of you know this, so uh, it's not new to you. But uh, sometimes I seem like I only show up when I preach, and then you don't see me again <laughs> until I preach again. <laughs> that is not the case, though. I, um, um, at least two Sundays out of the month I'm working, and then um, two Sundays I'm off. And if I go out of town or visit family or whatever on one of those Sundays or weekends, then you won't see me. And actually, I changed because I was supposed to preach next Sunday, but I'm going out of town next Sunday. (laughs) Um, And so I'm preaching today. Um, Yeah. And so I worked last night and I have to work tonight. Um, Yeah. Six to six, buddy. Uh, So God is good. God is faithful. (laughs) I can trust in him that he's going to be with me uh, for the next 35 minutes. (laughs) Amen. Promises, promises. So we're still in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We have not forsaken it, (laughs) y'all. I have not. You may have. I have not forsaken it. And we're still talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So we're actually going to, uh, I would say kill two birds with one stone, but I don't want to kill anything right now. Uh, (laughs) We're going to cover two uh, two things, uh, and the next, in the order that we were going in, the next thing we were talking about is oaths. So uh, the title of this message is Promises, Promises, and I think Chris, Christopher Williams had a song called Promises, Promises back in the 90s. It's R&B, I'm sorry, I went totally somewhere else in this. Um, <laughs> but in that title, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we're talking about oaths. We're going to be looking at Matthew um, chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. And then we're going to cover a portion that we skipped uh, in Matthew. We talk about Jesus being the fulfillment of the Old Testament or the fulfillment of the law. And he is our promise. So we're going to talk about promises. So looking at Matthew 5, 33 through 37, and I have a lot of verses to cover. So get your pens and pencils ready if you want to write them down. Some of you do. Some of you don't worry about it. If you don't, it's fine with me. I'm not offended at all. Um, (laughs) But I know many of you say, oh, you you went over these uh, scriptures really fast. Uh, So we're going to be in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. And it reads, again, you have heard this. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, 
for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Well, maybe if you use some dye or something, but <laughs> get the gist of it. Uh, 37, and you need to say, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that becomes from the, comes from the evil one. All right, so we're looking at oaths. So the Old Testament teaching uh, about keeping oaths, and it, we can look at Leviticus 19, 12, and it says, do not swear falsely by my name or so. Or so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Uh, Numbers 31 through 2, Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, This is what the Lord commands when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge. He must not break his word, but must do everything he said. And also in Deuteronomy 23, 21 through 23, it says, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it, For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do, because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. Um, And oath in this sense means to, uh, or it sends the Greek word, I'm not going to, it means to swear falsely, to do not break an oath. Or do not swear falsely. Uh, it also means to commit perjury. So do not lie. Do not um, do not lie on purpose. Purposely lying for this oath. And that that is what it's talking about here. The Jesus was in a sense not saying don't ever make an oath because even in Paul and uh, we'll give you some examples later about they were oaths that they were supposed to make, but they were official. They weren't just flippant about saying what they were saying. They didn't use the Lord's name in vain, and they didn't say, well, on a, I swear on a stack of Bibles or cross my heart and hope to die, you know, and then they would not hopefully lie about uh, or, or, or perjure themselves or embellish a story, and by embellishing that story to make it sound more truthful, they would say, well, on God, you know, I swear on my grandma's grave, or I swear on God, or I swear on heaven, or I swear on uh, Jerusalem. Um, that's the kind of swearing or oath taking that he was ta- he was talking about, not the oath where you go to court and that was official ceremony or when you're pledging your vows to marry, not those vows, uh, but just flipping everyday conversation to make your story seem more truthful. You would embellish it by saying, well, I swear, I swear on God. Um, and more importantly, you were doing that. To deceive because you were lying about what you was actually saying. You know that what your embellishment was, I didn't catch 200 fish. <laughs> I went fishing and I caught a fish this big. You know, I said, uh, you know, I embellished it. I swear to God, I did. No, I didn't. And I didn't even go fishing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we, you know how people can be, you know, trying to embellish their story to make it seem more truthful, knowing the whole time that it's not. Um, and so that is the type of swearing that he's uh, talking about. Uh, legal loopholes and manip- uh, manipulation to oaths. Uh, let's look at Matthew 23, 16 to, through 22. Um, it says, Woe to you blind guys. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools. 
which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind man, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. Anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Don't swear. So in that he's saying, you know, so to give you some context here, the religious leaders of that day advocated keeping a vow if it was public vow using God's name. So, uh, however, if the vow was made in the course of everyday conversation referencing only heaven or earth or Jerusalem, it wasn't really binding. So they have these little nuances here. If you made a public vow using God's name, then that's more important. But if you made a public vow and you said heaven and not God's name, then that's not binding. Or if you said I'm, I'm making a vow and not and I vow on uh, the city and, and on the altar, well, what, did, what did they say, on the gift and not the altar itself, then that's not binding. And so they had all these little nuances. So and, and, and Jesus is saying here, this is foolishness. <laughs> if you, if you, in the end, yes and no should be all you needed to say. You know, let your words be true. Uh, let's not get into, well, you know, legally, did they swear on the gold or did they swear on the temple? Who cares? <laughs> be honest and truthful. Is that, That's the point in the heart of the matter that he's getting to here, that you're not Giving, you're not embellishing your story and giving nuances to what you're saying based off of what you swore upon, upon and what you didn't swear upon. And legally, when someone came and challenged you on that, you can say, well, uh-uh, I swore on heaven and not God, so it's not binding. You know, I got you. <laughs> I sold you that lemon, and I didn't tell you that the transmission was going to go out or, you know. But I said it was a great car, you know, but I swore on something on my grandma's grave, and my grandma's not dead. She's not in a grave, so it doesn't count. You know, it's like, ah, come on, you know. Those nuances or those lies. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter here in that we cannot be tripped up on the little things. Uh, and this is so important for him. I mean, we just talked about him being trusting in his word how we are to trust in his word. And he wants us to be more like him. And so he wants your word to be trusted as well. He wants you to keep it simple. Yes and no should be sufficient. Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 4, 44, John 8, 44 says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Public oaths are not forbidden by Scripture. God permits and takes oaths. Deuteronomy 10 through 20 talks about the fear of God, 
for fear the Lord your God and serve him, hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. Meaning that they carry some weight. Hebrews six sixteen through 18 says, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms that what is said and puts an end to all judgment. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have been we have fled to take hold of the hope set before us that we may be greatly encouraged. And that is Hebrews six, sixteen through eighteen. Jesus took an oath in court. He was being uh leading to his crucifixion. Jesus remained silent. This is Matthew twenty six, sixty three through through twenty sixty three through sixty four. But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under Oath by the living God. It's funny because he was talking to <laughs> the one he was charging him under oath for. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to you all, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So he said, yes, you have said so. I take this oath. Uh, Paul calls God as his witness. So Paul is taking the oath. God is my witness. Uh, Romans 1 and 9 and 2 Corinthians 1 23 uh, gives some examples about Paul taking that oath uh, or ca- calling God as his witness. Three applications we can learn from this is that be truthful in your speech. Proverbs twelve twenty two says the Lord detests lying lips. But he delights in the people who are trustworthy. We should be people that are trustworthy. Be careful what you promise. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5, 2 and 5 says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you're on earth, so let your words be few. (laughs) It is better not to make a vow than to make one. And not fulfill it. That's good. Let your words be few. <laughs> talk less. Listen more. Uh, be faithful in following through. Psalms 15, 1 through 5 says, The Lord, uh, Lord who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may, who may live in your holy mountain, the one who walks is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth, from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does not, who does no wrong to a neighbor, who casts no slur to others, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. So if I promise you something, I said, hey, I'm going to do this, even if it hurts, I need to follow through with that, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will not be shaken. So illustration of not being hasty in your decisions or with your tongue uh, would be the story of Japheth. Uh, Japhetha, I'm sorry. Illustrates the foolishness of making a vow without understanding the consequences or not thinking through what may happen if I say these things. And this is in Judges 11 and uh, I think all of Judges 11 talks about uh, Jephthah. 
but he made a vow. He said he was in war. The spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, and he crossed Gilead. And he, they were fighting the Amorites. And Jephthah said, Lord, if you give me the Amorites in my hands, whatever comes out the door of my house to meet me when I return and triumph from the Amorites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Little did he know that the first person that would greet him would be his daughter, and that was his only child. And so that was a, a vow, a promise that was flippant, was made out of, you know, I guess, I don't, I don't know what he thought would come out the door. Maybe he thought a lamb or a sheep may greet him or the whore. I don't know what he thought. Uh, it was the door of his house, so I would assume he was assuming a person, right? Uh, but he made that vow, and even though he had to sacrifice his daughter, um, and he followed through with it, um, and the daughter was willing to follow through with it as well, which I think is a bigger testimony. Um, that, uh, yeah, we can't be so flippant with our words. We can't just say things and be saying something, because God will call you to the carpet, call you to call you to the line and say, hey, you said this. You promised this. You vowed this. You 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 said you were going to do this. Uh, you committed yourself to this. And so he wants us to be trustworthy and people of our word, just as we can trust him in his word. He is the promise fulfilled. So in Looking at this one, similar to looking at adultery, just kind of look, give me the juxtapose of where we are versus where God is. And so where we are is in these nuances and swearing and using God's name in vain and, and lying and not being truthful and having to purge ourselves and uh, with, uh, without lying. You know, it's, no one had to teach a kid how to lie, right? You know, you don't, that's. No one had to tell that five-year-old that wasn't supposed to do that, and they came in and lied about it. You know, I've seen these videos nowadays with, you know, kids have cookies or crumbs all over their face. And their parents say, did you eat that? No, I didn't eat it. No one trained their kid. No one said, hey, now if they ask you, did you eat that, you, you be dishonest and say, no, you didn't. It's just in us. No one had to teach us that. It is just in us. And it gets worse as we get older. <laughs> but it's just in us. No one tells, no one pulls aside a two-year-old and says, hey, let me teach you how to lie. No one does that. It's just in us. Um, but God is wanting, he sees how we are, how we cannot trust one another because of our propensity to lie and be dishonest. He said, hey, but look at me. You can trust me. You can stand on my word. I am the fulfillment of the promises. I am, uh, before we talk about he, he was the messenger and he was the message. Well, he is uh, bringing us, he is the promise. He is fulfilling the promise. He is speaking on being truthful to your word. And then in Matthew five seventeen and 20, he is saying, I am the fulfillment of the law. I am what you've been waiting for. I am what you've been teaching on. Your prophets have been talking about what you've been waiting for. I am here now in the flesh. Uh, Hebrews 4, 
so, uh, so let's go back to, so we're looking at now Matthew 5, 17 to 20, because we looked at oaths, but now we're going to look at how uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. We looked at promises, promises, making a vow, and how God is saying, I'm going to fulfill my vows. My word will not return unto you void. And so here is me now fulfilling promises that were spoken hundreds of years ago in Jesus Christ. Uh, it says he lived a perfect life of obedience to the law. Hebrews 4:15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet. He did not sin. Uh, he is fulfilling that promise. He took the law, law's punishment for our sin. Galatians 3:13 said Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curses anyone who is hung on the cross. He has fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. Uh, Luke 24, 25 says, he said to them, foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So he is speaking on the promise, and yet he is the promise. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I am the fulfillment of that. That is Luke 24, 25 through 27. Uh, he studied the scriptures diligently. This is John 5, 3. He revealed the true meaning of the law. This is important, I think, that in him coming, uh, he is not getting rid of the law, but he is revealing the true meaning of the law, the fulfillment of that promise. And Romans 13, 8 through 10 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever you command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's good. He's saying, I am the fulfillment of that. I am here to let you know that all those things, if you just cover it in love, you you will be obedient to those commandments. Jesus affirmed his continuing authority of the law. He did not, again, did not get rid of the law, but he confirmed the authority of the law and that he was the promise of that. The word of God stands forever, y'all. Isaiah 40 and 8 says the grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And that's just as opposed to our words <laughs> and how he wants us to be. Every part matters, even the old and the new. I'm going to jump down, skip, skip down to some. Uh, every part matters, and we must practice and teach all of the word. Uh, Matthew 28:19 and 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey, obey everything I commanded. Not some of the things, but everything. 
Because every word I said, Jesus said, is important. And he is the fulfillment of of that. Jesus proclaimed the need for a greater righteousness. That he was the promise and that fulfillment is the greater righteousness was in him. The righteousness was Jesus. He was the greater righteousness. Jesus is the messenger in the message. Jesus is the promise fulfilled. The law, the prophets all spoke of Jesus. He is the greater righteousness. Uh, the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are self-serving. <laughs> they want everything to be about them. They were hypocrites. Matthew 23, 5, talks, 23, 5 and 7 talks about how they were hypocrites and they wanted things to be and for, they wanted to be in front of everyone so everyone could see them and be uh, on a show and put on a show for people and not about the heart. It wasn't about transforming people. It wasn't about standing on God's word, but it was about how can I be performance in front of people. Uh, was partial. Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give the tenth of your spices. I read it before, and you neglect the, uh, the matters of law, justice, mercies, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So we only teach a little bit. They were only teaching parts. And it was external, meaning that, uh, again, they were looking at how you clean the outside and not really cleaning the inside. An example Jesus used in Matthew 23, 25 through 28 talks about the cup in the dish, and you're more concerned about the cup outside appearance and not, not concerned about how dirty the cup is inside. And Jesus is concerned about how dirty the cup is inside. Woe unto you, teachers of the law of Pharisees, you hypocrites. You have whitewashed the tomb, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead bones. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Again, Jesus, and we said this even from the beginning, is Jesus is concerned about the inward man. He's concerned about what's going on inwardly, whereas the Pharisees were really concerned about how you looked on the outside and whether you had an appearance of righteousness. You had an appearance of keeping the truth. You had an appearance of goodness. And Jesus is like, I want to throw all of that away. I want to look at the heart and look at the heart, and that matters. And keeping your promises. Because he is the fulfillment of promises. He wants you to be honest about keeping your promises. Greater righteousness that Jesus commanded was testified by the law of the prophets. Romans 3.21 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law of the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. It is credited to us by faith in Christ. We have this righteousness because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, 9 talks about that. Uh, actually, let's look at that a little bit because that goes into, I look at uh, 7. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. It says, but whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whose sake I have lost everything. I consider that garbage that I may gain Christ and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of my faith in Christ and with and is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. We can't do this by ourselves. We can't. Um, we're not going to be flippant with our words. I don't think I need to go in. Yeah, I won't go into the rest of this. Um, can't be flippant with our words. We can't be flippant with our conversations. We can't be uh, using the Lord's name in vain. And that means that we purposely are lying or being distru- um, untrustworthy, but putting God's name in front of it to, uh, to see people to make it appear that we are being trustworthy. You say, well, you know, on the stack of Bibles, I, you know, I declare to do this so when you know it's not so. Um, and that is just as opposed to what Jesus is. He is his essence of him is so is truth. The essence of him is pure. The essence of him is I am here to fulfill the promises that were spoken years ago. And I and I want you to stand on my word just as I want your word to be truthful and that people can take you as honest. You may be the only Jesus that people meet. And uh, that's why Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, uh, as I follow my father, follow me. And sometimes you may have to say, follow me. Trust my word because I'm not going to say anything different from what the word of God is. So trust that I'm saying what Jesus is saying. Follow me as I follow him. If I'm not following him, don't follow me. <laughs> but we, uh, in essence, God wants us to be truthful. He wants us to be honest. He wants to be people of our word, even if it hurts us. And he is going to be faithful to his word. Because it has cost him his son. The ultimate cost. The ultimate price for him. And so I leave you today in prayerful that we are changed and being truthful and honest and trustworthy. And that our words mean something when we say it. And we're not flipping about what we say. And we're not flipping in our conversations. And we're not making vows just to be saying things, knowing that they're not true. And in that, we look at Jesus and say, how, how great a God we have that we can trust his word. He's always truthful. He's always faithful. and He's always honest with us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.